Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Mitzi Perdue. She is the daughter of one family business titan. Her father founded the Sheraton Hotel chain. And she's the widow of another business titan. Her late husband was the family business poultry magnate. That's chicken, right? You've, you've heard of Purdue Farms, Purdue, Purdue Chicken. Frank Purdue was her husband, her late husband. Um, and she is also a businesswoman in her own right. She started the family wine grape business, now one of the larger suppliers of wine grapes in California. Mitzi likes nothing better than to share insider tips for successful family businesses, leaving your legacy behind with your family business. Now, Mitzi speaks on how to make your family business last across the generations. And she also talks about success tips for mega successful people. I love joining her in that type of conversation. Now, just yesterday, I had her on my other show, Your First 100K. We talked a lot of business strategy um, from uh, these two icons that uh, she spent so much time with. And today, she's coming on to share her spiritual journey. Uh, now, she just co-authored a book with Mark Victor Hansen. Uh, you probably know him as the co-author of the mega best-selling book, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Um, and they just wrote a book together called How to Be Up in Down Times, which is so relevant to this COVID uh, pandemic that we're living through. So it's How to Be Up in Down Times, 40 Tips to Align Your Soul, Your Body, and your mind. So that's what we're going to talk about today is really getting aligned with God's will, lining up those three things, um, especially when you find yourself in a, a place of misalignment, which many of us uh, tend to find ourselves in. You can find her at antmitzi.com, antmitzi.com. Mitzi Purdue, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Oh, well, I loved your introduction and thank you very much. But since we're talking about spiritual journeys, can I just jump into one of the biggest spiritual events in my life? Absolutely not. Of course you, of course you can. <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Do it, do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for it. I'm thinking that when I was uh, maybe 15 or so, and just racked with doubts that a 15-year-old would be racked with, but particularly spiritual ones, I can remember, you know, just full of, how about almost terror with the following confession, going to the minister in my church 
and saying, I don't think I belong here because you know, I look around me and everybody else is just a full believer and I'm full of doubts. And the minister said something that comforted me for the rest of my life. He said, no, you belong here as much as anybody in the entire church because your, your faith is lively and struggling and you know, full of, of energy that you get from, from really thinking about it. You're not just passively sitting there. And I loved that because for the rest of my life, when I'm struggling with doubts, I, I remember the minister saying, yeah, you belong here even so. Mm, what a beautiful reminder right out the gate, Mitzi. Thank you for that wisdom that BC Nation, if you are wrestling with your belief in God, with your your faith, with your spiritual journey, then Mitzi's reminding us through her pastor that your faith is very much alive. The wrestling is the aliveness. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. Wait, the, the conversation actually went on a little further where he said that, you know, he knows that a certain percentage of the people in, in the church are just there because they're supposed to be. And, you know, they're, they're not engaging with it. And so he, you know, he congratulated me for engaging with it and, and making it alive. Mm. The Bible tells us that uh, Jesus vomits the lukewarm out of his life, right? The lukewarm, the passive, the ones just sitting there, not engaging, not wrestling, not growing, not going deeper with him. So I think it's, it's brilliant. So BC Nation, if you find yourself in that place, this show is for you. This episode is for you specifically, right? Because Mitzi just launched us right into that. So Mitzi, um, so you're 15, around 15 years old. Uh, you have that faith wrestling moments going on. And um, what happened next? Like, first off, let's go back for a second. What faith uh, denomination were you raised in? Because that always gives uh, some nice context for our audience. Okay, I was raised Episcopalian mm -hmm. uh, and absolutely loved it. And by the way, for, for those of, of our audience who haven't had my experience, I've spent a lot of time in Catholic services as well as Episcopalian ones. Mm. And I find them so close that um, I can barely tell the difference. I mean, I, I do know there's, there are differences, but, but what I like about the Episcopalians is I, I love that that ceremony, uh, I, I think ceremony does bring us clo closer to God. And mm. the Episcopalians and the Catholics, are, they do it so beautifully. Mm. I agree and, with you. I've been, uh, I've been to both. Um, the sacredness. The sacredness. The sacredness oh. is so present, right? And I know for, I, I go to a lot of my friends, uh, different non-denominational churches, etc. And you know, God bless them. And if you're non-denominational, this isn't a dig in any way. We're just talking about like the church itself, like the buildings are very rectangular, very warehouse, very just vanilla. Um, and they lack a lot of the sacred, the sacred. And, and that's what we want. Our heart longs for sacred when we go to worship the creator of the universe. And I know for some um, uh, Christians, sometimes, they look at a Catholic church or an Episcopalian church and they go, why are they spending all that money making it look so pretty and beautiful and adorning it with gold and gold leaf and all that? Well, the reason why is because God's worth it. And in fact, that reminds me of, 
of conversations I've had with theologians even, with, with people who teach at divinity schools. And I, how about an almost lifelong quest for me is something that somehow you and I just got into, which is, I'm, I'm going to phrase it in the form of a question. You're the pastor of a quite large church. I mean, you, you've got, I'm going to say thousands of parishioners and there's stains. I mean, great big ugly, like somebody spilled coffee on the carpet that's approaching like the altar. Mm. And say it's going to cost, I'm, I'm going to make up a figure. Uh, say it's going to cost $10,000 to re-carpet the area. And you have the choice. Do you, do you leave it? You know, people come in and they see this stain because it's, you know, it's a big obvious one. It's not a little trivial one. Or do you spend it on the poor? And here's what I know about that question, that it's been argued about for, for at least 2,000 years and that people come out down very firmly on one side or the other. And initially, I, I, I was thinking, of course, spend it on people, not things. But as I've grown older, I take a different view of it. And you know, let's stipulate that there's no right or wrong answer. But I will tell you that my evolving view of it is that, that beautifying the divine, in other words, showing respect and having something that's uplifting for people, that when they come in, they see something beautiful and that takes them out of their everyday life. I think that's possibly a, a bigger gift to humanity than, uh, than even giving food to the poor. I mean, of course we want to do both, but in the way the question has been framed for a couple of thousand years is, do you spend it on making the beautiful cathedral or in feeding the poor? I like the contrast in that question. Um, what I take from it is, do you use the money to feed the body or do you use the money to feed the soul? You, you, you just, in my opinion, did it better than the theologians I've talked with because you just, you just went to the right essence of it. Are we feeding the body or the soul? That's really what it comes down to. So not to go off too far on that tangent of beautifying a church and sacred space where we go to worship, but where we go to worship should look different than where we go to shop. It really huh. should. It should not look like a Walmart. Sorry, it shouldn't, right? It should be beautiful. It should lift our soul to a higher place out of self, out of ego to say, hey, there's something bigger than me. There's yes. someone bigger than me. Yes. I'm not God. He is. That's why his house looks different than my house. He's the king. Okay. I'm loving this conversation because, yeah, a church should be different from a Walmart. And it is there to uplift us and, and make us, I mean, here's something else that I grew up with. I shared a childhood story, but uh, in, the, in this school that I attended, one of the hymns that we sang was service to man is the road to God. And, Included in that was uh, the, what Jesus said when, when you serve, I'm going to quote it wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. When you serve the least of, of people, you're serving me. Correct. And, and I, I want space that brings me, that brings my mind, my soul, and my body as well, along with the idea that service to man is the road to God. I want to be uplifted. I want to do everything that I can uh, to be the best steward of what I've been given. And church is inspirational. 
I, I agree with you so much. The listen, BC Nation, our lives are so busy. Your life is so busy. You have so many distractions. You have so much mundane, so much routine that you need something to snap you out of it and snap you into God, right? And sacred space does exactly that. And sacred space that is adorned and beautified does that because it caters to your five senses, right? The smell, the sights, the, the taste, the, just all of it, the touch, right? There's something that lifts you, raises you out of the ordinary mundane of life so that it gets your attention and says, hey, you just walked in to something different. You just walked up to someone different. This isn't ordinary. This isn't mundane. This is a place for your soul to feel safe and sacred space, I believe, does exactly that. Nitty, go ahead. Oh, excuse me. I'm, I'm being rude. Bad Nitty. No, but please. I'm done anyway. Uh, just on, on the subject of, of sacred spaces, I have a theory of life, which is one of the greatest gifts that, that at least in this earthly plane, that, that we can give each other is inspiration. And a church provides us with inspiration. And why inspiration seems so important to me is it gives us direction, it gives us energy. Uh, and that's why sacred spaces, why why at age 79 i'm now ready to say yeah i'd spend the money making the carpet clean <laughs> uh, because i think feeding the soul is even more important than feeding the body mm, i agree with you listen the body corrupts people the soul is eternal which is the better investment but on the other hand uh i do recognize that this argument has been going on for millennia, so sure. and it's not a right or wrong answer. But this is just where, at this age, it seems to me that I want the soul uplifted. And there's, there's the possibility that somebody who's inspired by beauty and uplifting goes and, let, let's say it's a guy, and let's say it's a businessman. That businessman, because he's inspired and uplifted and wants to do more good in the world, maybe he feeds 100 people. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And I know for some of my Christian brothers and sisters, uh, they create sacred space in their home. They actually uh, put a, build a little altar for their, their kids to, to pray to God and, and worship him. And it's a, it's a room, it's a space that is separate from the rest of the house. It's, it's a place to honor and glorify their creator, their maker, their God. And I think that's such a beautiful uh, thing. And I'll see it in some of their homes. And I'm just like, wow, these people get it. Right? My they cousin does that. The cousin that I'm closest to, she has, she has a little space in her house, which is her, her worship area. And I love it. Yeah. Some people call it the war room. That's where they, they go to, to battle the, the, the demons and stuff, right? To battle evil. All right. Let's shift the, the conversation here. So you're raised Episcopalian, 15 years old. You have the, the real conversation, the come to Jesus conversation with your minister. Um, and then he gives you wisdom that has lasted you all these years. Uh, where in your journey did you wrestle? Uh, did you, were you ever tempted to give up the faith? Maybe you, you hit a struggle or adversity where you did not see God present. You didn't believe in him, or uh, maybe you blamed him for something that was happening. Tell us that story. When my, when my husband died in 2005, uh, I've never been 
depressed before, and I didn't even really understand what depression meant. But I can remember, you said be real. I can remember I felt so bad and that I just couldn't take it. And I don't believe in suicide, so that was, that was never an option. But I remember actually praying to the good Lord, um, could you send a lightning bolt this way and end it for me, please? Um, and he didn't answer that particular prayer, thank goodness. But, but for, I would say, possibly a couple of years afterwards, um, I didn't welcome in, him into my life anymore, which was, you know, mm. in retrospect, that it was totally the wrong thing to do, but, but that's what happened. I mean, I, I think I could have described myself as an atheist back then. Mm. I've been there myself, so I get that completely. What was the shift for you? When did you let him back into your heart and why? What instigated that? Well, my cousin, the, the one who has her prayer room, you know, that, that helped no end. And then and where I am right now, by the way, I am a Methodist now. I was raised hmm. Episcopalian, but I converted because I didn't want to go to different services from my husband. Uh, who was Methodist. So I am today Methodist. Uh, but uh, I also don't see a whole lot of difference between the Methodists and the Episcopalians either. The, the Methodists, and we have pretty much the same hymns and the same liturgy. So it, I wasn't giving up anything to, to become a Methodist. But what, what allowed me to bring God back into my life? Well, a number of things. Uh, one of them, a big part is Mother Teresa, and I actually write it about this in the book that that Mark Victor Hansen and I wrote, the book called Up. Mm. Uh, a, a quick story, or I hope it's quick enough for you. But, Go for it. Thank you. No, because I know it's terribly rude to monologue, and I'm guilty of that bad Mitzi. <laughs> Listen, I'm very good at cutting off my guests, so no worries there. Go for it. All right. Well, in the space of a couple of weeks, that's not true, in the space of one week, I read two biographies, and one was Napoleon Bonaparte and the other was Mother Teresa. Now, M Napoleon Bonaparte had all the wealth, power, fame, money, women, territory that the world can give. He had all the world's goodies. Mother Teresa, in contrast with her vow of poverty, the physical possessions that she owned were limited to three cotton saris and the sandals on her feet. And she spent her life serving the poorest of the poor. And the question that I invite everybody who's listening to this story to ask, and I'll give the answer, is who was happier? And we don't have to guess because Napoleon Bonaparte, at the end of his days, he's writing in exile in the South Atlantic somewhere. And he, he writes, in my entire life, I can't count six happy days. So where did all these worldly goods, you know, the things that men think will make them happen, where did it get him? Couldn't count six happy days. What about Mother Teresa, who, who gave up worldly possessions and led a life entirely of service to others? What did that do to her happiness level? And we know because she wrote, towards the end of her, her life. My life has been a feast of unending joy. Mm. And I started thinking, okay, which is more important, the worldly goods or this, the kind of service and giving yourself to 
serving the least of, of us in, in that way you serve me, as, as Jesus said. So the, the contrast between where a worldly life gets you and where a life of love and service and faithfulness to God, thy will, not my will, uh, one brings happiness, one brings misery. And yeah, which do I want to be on? Uh, I think I'll take joy. Mm. Such a powerful story. Thank you for that. Now that's your morning prayer, right? Every day, thy uh, will, not my will. Yeah. And uh, I kind of recommend it because it, all sorts of blows and horrible things that come your way, which they do to everybody. Uh, I think they're a little easier to bear if you say thy will, not my will. Mm. What do you do in the meantime when you have no idea what God's will is? I kind of figure that I do know what his will is. I think that this, this sounds so presumptuous, but nevertheless, it's what I feel. Uh, my, how I want to spend the remaining days that I have on this planet is to try to ease the suffering that comes from human trafficking. And that guides every, almost every action I have. Uh, in fact, I have over my desk, uh, and I'm going to look up and read it, uh, it, th these are the words, maybe I could, well, it says it's binary. And this is for how I spend my time. If it, if it's going to move forward, what I think is my calling, which is to try to do something about human trafficking. Uh, if it's a use of time that moves that forward, the answer is yes, I'll do it. Uh, if it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't make me a better person, doesn't make me serve God and man better? And the answer is no, I won't do it. Mm. In fact, uh, is there any way you can fill the screen so they won't see me people reaching out of frame, but I'm just going to pull down. Go for it. Oh, well, it uses a swear word. Can we do that? Is this mirror re reading as a mirror image? It's reading correctly. Oh, good. Okay, that's... Got it. So that's a good reminder for you. Yeah, it, it reminds me to say no to little trivial things that don't matter. All the shiny object distractions, right? And stay true to where God has pointed you. Yeah, and I think God, I mean, I want to be the best grandmother that I can. I want to be the best uh, parent I can. I want to be the best family person I can because I think God wants that. Mm. Going back to your story of Mother Teresa, um, I remember and recall that she, people asked, uh, when she was asked, how do you serve the poor in their, their smell, in their odors, in their filth, like just as a human, like how do you do that? Like anyone else is vomiting, is, is getting sick, is disgusted, can't bear it. It's intolerable to the five senses, what yeah. you see every day. And, and she said, what I see in the face of everyone is, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, what I see in the face of everyone I serve is Jesus in disguise. She sees the face of Jesus in the paralytic, in the cripple, in the person with maggots eating their flesh, she sees the face of Jesus. And I suspect, and I'm asking you, 
when you look out at all the the kids that are being sex trafficked right now, and this is becoming just this is far worse than the pandemic we're in now. And I'm just oh. going to be real about that from a, statist- a statistics perspective, just looking at facts. Um, when you look at these children, do you see the face of Jesus in disguise? Is that why you're so passionate? Oh, I think I'm going to aim for that. But no, I I want to ease suffering. I mean, one, one of the things that motivates me in life is I would like to increase happiness and decrease misery. And I don't know of any anything that is creates more misery than let's say a sex trafficked child who has who's forced to have sex 10 or 12 times a night with strangers i mean effectively she's being raped and that you you add that up in the course of a year she's being violated more than 3000 times in the course of a year i want to stop that um, and i guess you know what what motivates me more than seeing the face of jesus in the suffering uh, that's not my particular answer my t- particular answer is the story of the talents. And you know it very well. I think it's from Matthew, where, he, where, where Jesus tells the parable of the, of the uh, I guess would call him a landlord, a lord, or, or mm-hmm. what, what do we call him? Uh, a landlord, I think. Okay, let's call him a landlord. And uh, he has, in, in this case, three people working for him. He's going to be away on a long trip. And he gives one of them five talents or pieces of money, another three pieces of money, and the third one, one piece of money. He goes, he goes away, he returns. And the one who had five talents or pieces of money, you know, invested it wonderfully. I think he doubled it. The same thing with the one who was given three. The one who was given only one, you know, hid it and didn't do anything with it. And the 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 landlord or i guess it's called a master well, yeah the master you're right All right uh the master was pleased as could be with the two who invested and and, and made more of what he had given them mm-hmm. and he was completely uh i mean in, in today's words it would be sort of you off my island to, to the one who didn't do anything with them well i would like to be like the servant who who does everything that i can with what i've been given mm. that, that's that's my biggest motivation. I think it's an interesting perspective that you bring up through that parable, because I think it's very relevant to today. Uh, Many people, and maybe you listening right now, BC Nation, are scared to take action because you're afraid you'll screw it up or you won't do it perfectly. When you know very much what the right action is to take, the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do that thing, do the next right thing, but you won't do it because you're scared to screw it up. Well, the guy with the one talent in the parable story, remember at the end, the master says, why didn't you invest it? And he says, because I know you're a strict master and, and I was scared. I was scared I'm going to lose it. I was scared I was going to you know, not invest it well, et cetera. So I buried it out of fear from you. And I just say that to you, BC Nation, that is not what God looks for. God does not look for perfection. He knows you're human. He knows you're broken just like the rest of us. He looks for action. Do the next right thing. What is the next right thing? Well, it's the person in front of you. And, and you know, something again from Mother Teresa. I mean, she, she influences me so much. I mean, she is my hero. And by the way, do we still call her Mother Teresa now that she's a saint? 
Uh, she is now Saint Teresa or Saint Mother Teresa, however you want to call it. But yeah, she's a Catholic saint, right? Canonized in the, the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, so Saint Mother Teresa. Uh, I loved something else that she said that fortifies me, which is God doesn't ask us to be perfect. He asks us to be faithful. And, That's it. And again, that, that just takes so much pressure off all of us. I mean, I'm trying for things and, I'm, and many times I fall flat in my face and it doesn't work and but it doesn't matter uh, because I'm called upon to be faithful, not perfect. That's beautiful. I think of God, the father uh, looking down on his children, you and I, and he wants us to try to get up and try to walk, to get up and try to do the thing. And he's not there with a big ruler ready to smack us if we fall, right? The same way if we look at our own children when they're young, I have a baby girl, my daughter, Alara, right? She's eight months old and she's not walking yet. But when I see her trying to crawl and trying to go forward, do you think I'm sitting there going, you didn't do that well and reprimanding her. You didn't do that perfectly. What's wrong with you? I don't say things like that, nor does God. God is a loving father. He encourages and says, keep going. I will help you. you use my strength. Right. And that's, I think, where we get all caught up with inaction is we rely on our own strength rather than surrendering to God's strength. Thy will, not my will. There you go. Thy will, not my will. All right, PC Nation, uh, we jumped around a little bit on these topics, but I like it. I think it's a great conversation. Hopefully, you pulled one piece of, one, one piece of wisdom, one little nugget, and I challenge you today to take action on that thing. Was there something that Mitzi said or that I said that caused a little bit of irritation in your spirit? Irritation is a very good thing. It prompts us into action. So is there something that irritated you just a little bit where you know the next right thing to do in your life or the next right thing to do in your marriage or the next right thing to do in your finances or the next right thing to do with your children? God looks for you to try and but first surrender it to him surrender all outcomes and results and then just go for it just go for it he will fill in the gaps so i hope uh, you take on that challenge um we're speaking with mitzi purdue you can find her at antmitzi.com mitzi uh welcome to my favorite part of the show um now yesterday you were on the business podcast but today you're on the the faith-based podcast. So welcome to the confession round. Ooh, so, okay. Doesn't that sound very Catholic? It's so good. Actually, it sounds kind of terrifying, but I'll go for it. Perfect. I mean, if, if you started uh, this show saying that you wanted me to be real, uh, I'll do my best. Always, always. All right. So what's your favorite thing about God? Rock of ages. Some, something that I can fall back on. Strength. Mm. He's reliable, dependable, rock. What is your least favorite thing about God? That, that sometimes I believe in God. I, I wish I didn't have questions. I wish that he just made it simpler for us and, and uh, didn't, well, I just wish he made it simpler for us to believe in him. Yeah. It's like, God, if you could come down here and just walk amongst us, 
then I, I, this would just be easy to believe. But, you know, Adam and Eve, they screwed up things. God used to walk with them in the garden, and then they rebelled. All right, what are you most afraid of? Not being all that I can be. Yeah, I get that. I believe we're all struggling with something, right? Just part of the human condition. Um, let's talk spiritually. What do you struggle with spiritually other than sometimes not uh, believing or having doubts, you know, when it comes to God? Uh, I have a big problem with forgiveness. Do uh, you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it's a good thing even. Got it. Like forgiving others, forgiving yourself, forgiving God, what? Oh, no, I... Uh, this is forgiving others. It seems to me if somebody's done something really monstrous that why should you forgive them? Mm, that's a big one. That's a big one. My simple answer, because God said so. And he forgave us for our monstrousness. What did you oh, say? You, you told me to be honest. And that's what. That's perfect. That's perfect. That's it. That is a, a struggle. I've thought this. Absolutely. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Worrying. What'd you say? Worrying. Worrying. Yep. What secret fear do you have about people? What secret fear do I have about people? Oh, well, this comes from my late husband. He said, I can't tell by looking at you whether you're a a saint or a sinner and that it's very hard to trust. So uh, I know that there's psychopaths out there. So since I can't know if somebody is a psychopath or not, that bothers me. Mm, that's a big one. Uh, that brings up one of my new favorite quotes is, and I don't know who says it, maybe you do, but uh, every um, sinner has, uh, sorry, every saint has a past and every sinner wow. has a future. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And it just reminds us, right, that we all have the potential Uh, to be holy, to be saints, all of us, regardless of the brokenness within us. Uh, What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? For me, my understanding of God increased greatly as I watched people attack God like today. Uh, I mean, today in the secular world, in the political world, there are a lot of people who would like to who aren't enthusiasts of, of like churches, for example. Mm. Uh, my faith has become, become much stronger as I watch it being attacked. Mm. That's so good. Yeah, I get that. What's a new spiritual habit you want to create for yourself? I guess spend more time in prayer, more time reading the Bible. I do, but I think I could do, not I think I could do, I should do more. Look at you just speaking right into it. Yeah. Uh, what's a bad habit you want to break in your life? Uh, I wish I could overcome stress eating. Stress eating. Yeah, I get that. Pick three words to describe who you are now, Mitzi. Kind, questing, loving. Mm. Pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God in your heart in a real way. Uh Dumb, uh, blind, stupid. 
<laughs> it's almost like deaf, dumb, and mute, right? Uh, kind of like how Jesus healed them. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice about God, about faith, what would you say to them? The answer to almost everything is love. Mm. And God is love. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about pursuing deeper relationship with God versus not? I think I'm going to go back to my story as a 15-year-old that, that wrestling deepens your engagement and makes it more profound and more meaningful. So don't be afraid to wrestle. Mm. Don't be afraid to wrestle your faith, BC Nation. This is so good. So many times where we think it's wrong to question. We think it's wrong, but that's critical thinking. It's good. God wants it. He just wants you to do it, to bring it to him rather than to the world. You're questioning. Bring it to him. Show up with him and say, God, I don't believe in you right now. Like if you're real, show me you're real in my life in a way that I can't deny. Like, this is what God wants. He wants real conversations. No different than you as a parent want your kids to come to you with their questions about life and the world and your feelings for them rather than go out to the world. It's the same thing. So go to your heavenly father. He's open arms, forgiving, loving, and absolutely fascinated by you. Remember that, BC Nation. God is fascinated by you. You're his most perfect creation. Uh, Mitzi, what is the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose or go pick up your new book? Uh, the, the new book is available on Amazon. If they want some free chapters of it, come to atmitzi.com and you can get hold of me there also. Excellent. Oh, and if, oh, but may I add one other thing? If human can... slavery is uh, an issue for you, please come to winthisfight.org. And contact me and, and I'll get back to you. BC Nation, if uh, God has put that on your heart to help in the fight against uh, human trafficking, uh, then go there, winthisfight.org, winthisfight.org, and uh, jump on board with Mitzi and see what she's up to in the world. She's, she's a fighter. I like her. She's fantastic. What a great human. Mitzi, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life. Well, it's been a blessing to, to get to know you. Thank you. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and I'll see you right back here next week.